Well, hello everyone and welcome to Friday's episode of the Professional Volunteer Podcast Mutual Aid. It is Friday and it is the first Friday of August, if you can believe it. We're flying through the summer, enjoying the beautiful weather. Hope everybody's doing well. Well, as you may have noticed, the hen is in the rooster house this week. It's Kara from St. Florian Fitness doing a mutual aid takeover for Brian this week while he is out getting some well-deserved R&R. And today I just want to touch on um, a really, really important topic. And I've been seeing some recent posts uh, that are really relevant relevant rather uh, to this that um, I think it's important to talk about. Um, and that is the uh, mental health and wellness of our, our firefighters. Um, I am on a volunteer department myself. Uh, my views are my own. Uh, but I have some experience with a particular method of intervention called critical incident stress debriefing. Um, sometimes it's called critical incident stress management as well. And I just wanted to touch on, um, on that a little bit today and talk about the importance of recognizing, um, immediate concerns for your volunteers or career uh, mental health in the fire service. Um, I think that this is becoming a topic that is more brought to the surface of late, and I think it's, it's really good to see people talking about it more because it's very important, and in order to be an effective first responder, you have to um, take care of your body. You have to be healthy. You have to be fit. You have to be fit for duty. Uh, but you also have to take care of your mental health and your emotional state in order to do the kinds of things that are expected of us at all hours, at all times, when we are called to serve the communities that we are living in. And so I think that there was a bit of a um, cultural kind of connotation to not talk about mental health of firefighters uh, historically. And um, I'm glad to see that more people are talking about it and talking about the importance of it. So specifically, one issue that is going to be universal across the board is to have a bad call, right? You're going to have calls that create an imprint on you um, traumatically. And it may be something very different for depending on the responder. So some people handle the kind of bloodier calls or the more traumatic injury calls or um, the calls where uh, unfortunately people don't survive. Some people handle those calls really well and not to say that it doesn't bother them, but they may not be impacted in the same immediate way that other uh, members of the, of the crew are. Sometimes it can be something simple that just triggers something in you that creates a feeling of trauma, hopelessness, loss, fear, all of these things that can really impact your ability to do the job the next time. And so I just want to talk about a little bit um, about that. And I just wanted to point out that it, it doesn't have to be the same type of thing for everybody. Um, one thing that I know um, that comes up very frequently is a call where children are involved. Um, if children are hurt or injured or displaced because of a fire or if you have a loss of a child on the scene, um, 
that is profoundly impactful on the team. And really that is because it's against nature. You know, we don't think about the fact that children die. And it is uh, something that is extremely hard for people to cope with, whether or not they are parents themselves. It's just something that's very difficult for them. So if you get a bad call that involves a child, for example, or if you get a very um, traumatic injury or a mass casualty call uh, where you're just bombarded by people needing your help and there's just not enough of you to go around, it will have an impact on you. The first thing is to recognize those cues in yourself as a first responder and make sure that you are checking in with yourself. And it sounds silly, but it's really so important. Taking a couple seconds to review what you saw, process it, and see how you're affected by it makes you a better firefighter. It makes you a better EMT. Because you're acknowledging that you're a human being and the human experience is inherent to quality care and quality community service. It is so vital that we check in with ourselves and see where our head is at. Also, it's a safety thing. If you are not in a good space mentally and emotionally, you are not a safe firefighter. You are not going to be able to make good, quick decisions. You're not going to be able to help your partner and you have a high likelihood of getting hurt yourself. So it's important to just make sure that you're doing that check-in fairly frequently and just recognizing your own boundaries and your own limitations and when you need to take a break and uh, when you need to do some self-care or just take some time to do the things that you enjoy um, to uh, work through and process a little bit of um, rest and relaxation for your brain. You know, the brain is the only organ of the body that never gets to rest, ever. Even when we are sleeping and we're in the, the best, most deep sleep, you know, usually about 10 seconds before the pager goes off, when we're in that great sleep state, our brain is still working at 100% to make the rest of our body work. Your brain doesn't ever get a real rest. It has to be a conscious decision to rest and relax your thinking and make your, make your thinking positive and take care of yourself. So I got into the fire service and I know some of you that have listened to the show before um, have or that follow me on um, my social media know that I actually got into the fire service initially as a critical incident stress debriefer um, for my local department and then um, it evolved from there where I um, became a full um, firefighter and an EMT for the department. How I got started was uh, that there was a bad call in, um, in our town here involving a child that had fallen into a well and uh, had to be rescued. It was, extremely, it was an extremely challenging and difficult um, rescue operation in general. There were many other children around and involved on the scene at the time. Uh, and because we live in a small town, there were many families involved that knew each other and knew the first responders that were on the scene. So it, there was a lot. There was a lot for that call. And um, I was very happy to be able to provide critical incident stress debriefing for the responders that were on the call. So if you're not familiar with critical incident stress debriefing, what it is is a quick initial debriefing of the trauma or the bad call that happened. 
it's not a long-term psychological therapy session or a um, any kind of a treatment of any kind. It literally is what it says it is. It's a debriefing. You know, you're gonna you're gonna quickly debrief, recap the incident, and start from there. Okay, start the process of healing and reducing the trauma impact on your on your brain and on your body from the bad call. Okay, so it has. It follows what's called the Mitchell model, which is a seven-step debriefing program. Typically, you want your debriefer to be somebody that was not present on the bad call themselves. And you need to have the debriefing happen within 24 to 72 hours. I like to say 24 to 48 hours. Um, Really, you don't want it to go much longer than that because then you're starting to get into more of a long-term issue and concern Uh, And you may want to expand out to, you know, counseling and mental health um, therapy and things like that. So basically, you know, you get your your team together with somebody um, that is your debriefer and you talk about confidentiality and privacy and that, you know, there's no rank in the room and participation is voluntary. You're not going to force anybody to talk about it, you know, um, if they don't if they don't want to speak, you know, Um, and just letting them know that it's, uh, you know, a safe space. Then you want them to introduce themselves and say what their role was on the call. You know, what were they there? Were they the chauffeur that night? Were they the EMT on the scene? Did they treat the patient? Um, you know, were they just running traffic control for the, you know, multi-vehicle pileup and saw too much? Um, and after asking them what their role is, you want to get an idea about what their view was of what happened. What happened? What did they see that happened? This part of it can get a little bit heated because people have different views of how a scene or call went down. And sometimes that's going to come out. And that is something that should not be shut down or argued during this debriefing. Um, It's important to acknowledge that everybody has a different view of how things were handled or how the call went or things like that. But it's, it's really vital to let that, that process just happen and let that person express what they want to say. Um, after that, you want to personalize the situation for them and talk to them a little bit about, you know, why it impacted them the way it did. Because as I said before, some people are going to be impacted by the visual scene. Some people are going to be impacted by how they felt. Some people are going to be impacted by not, you know, almost a secondary trauma of they were worried about their best friend who was treating the patient and um, they were, you know, down the road and didn't see much, but they were concerned about them. Asking them what the most difficult part was so far, you know, getting them to really get to the root of what is, where, where is your struggle at? You know, is it the sounds that you heard? You know, is it the crying? Is it people screaming? Was it the smell? You know, now every time you're around diesel, do you get that little like jarring in your body that makes you upset and nervous? Um, And then talk about what they could, what they want to erase if they could. What do they not want to have to play over in their mind? Talking about that acknowledges that they are playing it over in their mind and lets them identify it, identify that they are replaying it, and then be able to let it go and try to start to move on from it. 
The next thing that we talk about is signs and symptoms, you know, the immediate signs, the um, loss of sleep, sometimes having nightmares, loss of appetite or increased appetite, things like that, and physical signs of critical incident stress. Then you move on to teaching and you talk about stress mitigation, how to reduce the stress from the trauma that they saw. You talk about healthy eating, foods and exercise. Our bodies are pre-programmed when we experience trauma to look for sugar, caffeine, stimulants, you know, um, those quick fixes. Your body is searching for that. It's not effective to eat that way in general. As you well know, if you follow my page, I preach that. It's not effective to eat that way in general. It's not life-sustaining. But when you are going through an extremely stressful time and you have been traumatized in some way, not feeding your body real food is going to slow your recovery process. So talking about that, talking about getting exercise, talking about when it's appropriate to, um, you know, work out hard or just take a walk, you know, but getting your body moving and, and getting a return to normalcy is what's really important. reducing alcohol and caffeine usage during the time that you're experiencing the trauma is extremely important. Uh, we all probably live on a little bit too much caffeine as it is, right? Um, <laughs> some of us probably live on a little bit too much alcohol. Um, but you want to really, again, make sure that you're taking care of your body. You're going through a healing process. You know, it's really important. The next thing you want to talk about with your team is keeping in touch with each other. I mean, one of the things that I say to my team if I'm involved in a debriefing is, look, the people in this room are the only ones who know what it feels like to have been through this call. If we are here together today in this room, we have all experienced this call together. So checking in with each other and talking to each other is helpful and it should be encouraged. The days of swallowing it down and not talking about it need to end. We need to be able to rely on each other as a team and grow stronger as a team. It makes us better firefighters. The last phase is just to summarize and talk about the follow-up help, right? We said before, we're, this is not a therapy. This is not a psychological treatment. A debriefing is just to start to open up the gates of healing. Some people are going to need a lot of follow-up help. Some people aren't. And it will vary from bad call to bad call. Offering and having things in place for your firefighters and first responders is vital. If you are a volunteer organization and you don't have a formal formal employee assistance program, or if you don't have uh, a specific group in your, in your county or in your area that you reach out to for uh, mental health services for your volunteer firefighters, it's really important that you look into getting that. Get that established before you need it so that you know where to go with that and you know where to send your team. Make sure that you're present and, and around for closing questions and closing remarks from the people at the debriefing. 
and make sure that you make yourself available to them so that they can get the help they need when they need it. Uh, you know, a simple text a couple days later saying, hey, just wanted to check in with you. You know, how are you feeling? You know, are you sleeping well? Have you been eating? You know, do you want to, you know, go take a walk later? Checking in, it just, it means the world to people and it makes your volunteers know that they are valued and have a voice and that they're being cared for so that they can care for others. And that's really what it's about, right? We're all here to volunteer in our community to take care of other people. If we are not taking care of ourselves in every way, physically, mentally, we cannot take care of the community that we are sworn to protect. It just can't happen. So to wrap up, uh, and you know, this is one of those things where you can do, we, you know, we could do an entire hour long episode just on critical incident stress debriefing, but I just wanted to get the topic out there for, to have people think about it, have people look into it and see, you know, it's a good time to evaluate what you're doing for the mental health of your volunteers in your department. There's a lot of great resources online for critical incident stress debriefing and stress management. There's online courses. Um, you know, we all spend a lot of money on training every year. Make this part of the availability of your members to go get trained as critical incident stress debriefers. It benefits your department. It benefits your firefighters. It benefits your community. Earmark some money for mental health and wellness training. It's important. Um, as always, on Professional Volunteer, we love your feedback. We want to hear what you think. We want to hear about your ideas. We want to hear your questions. Um, Brian's excellent about responding to messages. You know, we're not just uh, out there in the stratosphere uh, ignoring people that <laughs> want to talk to us. We want to talk to you too. So please continue to send your feedback in. Uh, you can find Professional Volunteer at professionalvolunteerfirefighter.com, on social media at Professional Volunteer. The Gmail is Professional Volunteer, or sorry, Professional VF at gmail.com. And then don't forget to check out the YouTube channel, like and subscribe there so that we can um, continue to provide good content there. We want to really get our subscriptions up so that everybody um, can check in on us on the YouTube channel. And just in closing, we just want to remind you that a paycheck doesn't make you a professional. How you approach the job does. I really appreciate being allowed to take over mutual aid today. I hope you guys uh, have a great weekend ahead. Take care of each other. Stay safe.